Hello, ladies and gentlemen, gentle fish and gentle women. For the two of you who are listening, and yes, two, because we've dropped off in listeners already. Uh, for the two of you who are listening, if this sounds any different, it is because I am recording in a different location. That location being my car. Uh, it's a lovely location for recording. Not quite soundproof, but it allows you the ability to not give a fuck about anything. Uh, the inflection of my voice changes because that makes it fun for you to listen. I've decided that this is a fact, and I, being the master and doctor of podcasts, obviously, by my long track record of successful podcasts, I can state things as fact, and the fact shall remain thus, unless contested by at least three people. But there are only two of you listening, so I guess this fact remains a fact. This myth is not busted. I've been taking literature classes recently, and my only issue with the literature classes that I've been taking recently is some of the are some of the teachers um there's a difference between interpretation and comprehension and some of the teachers do not grasp this uh their 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 word is law which i understand there's a lot of teachers their word is law you know and especially if you've got uh We've got various, actually every subject, a teacher can be like, my word is law, and there can be other ways that you could look at things, either interpretation for literature, or, you know, uh, a formula for math, not necessarily a formula for math, but, you know, certain stages of math, you can take things through different formulas and get the same answer, and it won't work every time, but you, you know, you've got the universal formula, then you've got the formulas that work every once in a while if you plug them in in the correct format sort of thing. You math majors know what I'm talking about. I'm not a math major, but I know that you can get to the answer multiple ways. There's not just one way to get to the answer. And some teachers are going to be like, well, that's not how it works every single time, so try to stick to the universal method, okay? And don't be using all this fancy-smancy talking back to me shit. You contradict me again, sir, I'm going to scalp you and your entire family. And I know that there are some professors like that, and I know that they're in all of the fields, but my field is English, and I deal with literature professors, and they do not understand the difference between comprehension and interpretation. Now, for those of you who are not literature majors, nor are you English majors, nor do you even care, I am sorry, but you're going to have to listen to this explanation. When you look at something, you have to see it for what it is before you can see it for what it means. Now, if I've already lost you, I'm sorry. Just just tune out the next probably three minutes, and, and then we'll continue on with a different conversation. But for literature, you have to read a passage, a piece, a full-fledged novel, a play. You know, you've got to read things. When you read them, you have to understand what is there. If if the author wrote, the door was blue, unless there's a footnote that says, 
JK guys, the door was actually red, then the author means that the door is blue. Whatever that means, if it means anything at all, will come later. But you first have to understand that what the author wrote as fact is what is real, unless we're calling into question whether or not the narrator is a flawed narrator and giving its opinion, or the character is batshit crazy and we're calling into question their opinion. But for the most part, whatever the narrator writes, not narrator, sorry, whatever the author writes, has to be accepted as fact for the story, and then you can interpret it later on. Now, there are some professors who don't understand this concept, and they don't understand that you have to take in all of the information before you can start dissecting it, and you can't just ignore shit because it's inconvenient to your dissection and your interpretation. That's that's not how things work. If you, if you just ignore things, they still exist. You're just ignoring them, and they're existing under the radar. And that's how you get cockroaches all over your house, because you ignored them, and it, you know, it's, it's a whole whole thing. It's a, it's a whole thing. Anyway, my my issue with professors that don't open the floor up for conversation is that they don't open the floor up for conversation. There has to be a conversation because you can't get new ideas, nor can you improve upon old ideas, nor can you reestablish the solidity of old ideas without a conversation. If you question something as being the best, and it turns out that your questioning of the something being the best was incorrect, then you have confirmation that whatever you were questioning, you shouldn't have questioned in the first place. But there has to be that ability to look at something again. Things that exist are not just the things that they exist. You know, science. Let's take science, right? Because science is the perfect example. It's the best, best example, actually. Science says one thing. And that remains true until they discover that it wasn't true, or they discover that it was mostly true, but a little not. Science is constantly changing because science opens the floor up for conversation. People can converse upon old things, or they can, they can look at what they have and realize, yeah, that is correct, or no, that's not correct. They build upon what they know with what they're learning about because they're talking about what they think they know and what they think they're about to find out. And that has to be applicable to all fields because otherwise you just have a bunch of, you know, trained yes people. I was family friendly there, nice and PC. I said yes people. I could have said yes men. But I didn't. I said yes, people. That's, uh, that's a point in my favor. I got a little tally chart here. It's points in my favor. I'm off my rant. I'm I'm done with that. I've been I've been practicing that rant for the entire week. So most of my uh, passion for being upset has gone the way of my 
my words, and that is to say, out of my mouth, dissipated in the air, and pretty much gone. Uh, give it another week of me not talking about it, and I'll probably have another rant built up about the exact same thing. My literature professor currently does not like me because I disagree with all of her interpretations that she gives, and not simply because I'm trying to be an asshole, but because interpretation can be different. Comprehension should be the same. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with varying interpretations. I'm fine with almost any interpretation, as long as you can back it up with factual evidence from the text. If you're going off of... It, 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 interpretations, essentially... Sorry. Literature, pieces of work, stories, whatever. Writing, you know, li literature. We'll call it all literature. There we go. Literature is like... Uh, they're like hotel tells because when you write something and it becomes a piece of literature and people are interpreting it you didn't necessarily have that in mind you know they they have different interpretations they're not all going to be the one that you intended when you wrote it so they're they're like hotel tells because hotels don't necessarily intend for people to steal their towels but people do. People steal hotel towels. And so the establishment, the hotel, is prepared for that eventuality. They, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this is not what I wanted to happen exactly, but I'm prepared for it. I understand that that is the cost of doing business with shitty people. I'm not saying people are shitty because they have interpretations that vary from the author's intent of the work. What I'm saying is that the author's intent of the work is inconsequential and should be accounted for kind of the exact amount as everybody else's interpretation because people are going to interpret, people are going to steal hotel tells, and the establishment just has to understand that's the cost of doing business, and they provide backup towels. They provide a backup interpretation. They're like, hey... Uh, in case you need some interpretation, here's my interpretation of my own work. By the way, I notice a lot of you have some interpretations out there. If you'd like to return those as soon as possible, that's nice. If not, we're not going to ding you for it, because honestly, how can we really tell that you stole a towel? Or if our room cleaners just sort of misplaced them, or if they're in the wash, how do we know? If you stole Gideon's Bible, that'd be a different story. It's a little more obvious. Kind of no. And, and for me, interpretations need to be backed up. They need to be backed up with factual evidence from the text. You know, whether or not that... The text is not a factual thing. You know, it's not like a history book or whatever you're... I don't know why you're interpreting a history book. That's weird. I suppose you could interpret the bias of the author of the history book, but interpreting the actual history book is, is not necessarily something that should be done because hopefully history is just the facts so if you if you have to pull an interpretation out of what has been happening in the world i suppose you could see the state of society uh, where we're going philosophical meaning of all of the things and see if there's any patterns but then you're getting into conspiracy theory territory i don't like conspiracy theorists um some of them are fine 
A lot of them are nutcases. And watch next week. We're going to be down to, to, to one listener. I'm gonna, we're going to lose listenership over this this statement that a lot of conspiracy theorists are nutcases. I, I, think it's, I think it's a nice hobby to have if you're like, oh, this could have been like this. What if this? And then you could write like a, a historical fiction story based on like a theory. Like, oh, what if Marilyn Monroe was actually a dude or something like that? I, I don't know if that, that's probably a conspiracy theory because everybody's got a conspiracy theory about something. You know, so it's fine if it's a hobby. If you're writing historical fiction based on your conspiracy theories, hey, that's cool too. But if you're making a life out of it, if you're trying to uncover some great, you know, some great secret that people have been hiding from you, uh, it's it's too much for me. Now, these people might not be nutcases, but it's too much for me. I know that if I were to go down that path... I would become a nutcase. And so, for all of the people who are down that path, i just rope them in with me if I were to be down that path. Nutcases. That being said, I think that interpretations of literature, interpretations of pretty much whatever you're going to be interpreting, uh, they have to be backed up. Uh, interpretation is like... You gotta, you gotta have a lawyer for your interpretation. You have to be the lawyer for your interpretation. You have to defend its case. Um, you have to defend its case. You have to, you have to be able to, 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 to prove that it is provable, or that it is valid, or that it makes any sense at all. And if you have an interpretation that's only based off of one fringe element of evidence that's barely in the text and nothing else, then you have circumstantial evidence and no towel was ever convicted of anything based on circumstantial evidence because good lawyers on the opposite side would say, hey, that is circumstantial evidence and until you provide me with something other than that, my client goes free. And then the towel walks out and the hotel manager is so sad and and that's a convoluted... (laughs) Convoluted analogy there. Nice, nice, nice convoluted analogy, metaphor, whatever you want to call it. Towels need lawyers too. That's that's the new shirt. Uh, it's gonna be up on our Patreon. <laughs> oh, Patreon. Sorry about that. I just laughed because there there's no such thing as a Patreon for this podcast. They probably never will be. This podcast is for the two of you who are still listening. Thank you, dear listeners, who listen to sweet nothings and sometimes sour nothings, rambling about literature and literature professors and interpretations and their need to be validated. Interpretations are people, too. They need to be validated and defended by attorneys. And sometimes they're also towels. Anyway... Hopefully, this uh, episode of the podcast broadcast to you today for your listening pleasure to titillate your ears and pleasure your brain, which is a redundant opening now that I, I, I realize that, and I'll probably have to do something about it. Um, oh, I also just realized that I didn't open with my standard opening today. That's all right. I'm working out of a car. Um, hopefully, this podcast goes up on Tuesday, and y'all can listen to it on Tuesday, and that'll be great.
If not, then that is a shame, but not unforeseen. Honestly, uh, raise a hand if you did not foresee this Tuesday podcast broadcast to you today for your listening pleasure to pleasure your ear holes and titillate your brain. If you did not foresee that it would not come up on Tuesday. Um, anyhow, if you ever take a literature class, try not to butt heads with the professor, because they're in charge of your grade. My professor currently has me at a low B, and she doesn't even want to have me there. I know it's, you know, typical for people to say, oh, this professor's out to get me, but this professor eh, doesn't like me. I don't know if she's out to get me. She doesn't like me, though. And it's probably because I disagree with her on all of the points that she makes, except for the few that I concede. And 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 I should learn to shut my mouth. But the thing is, uh, the thing is this. Professor, professors can say my word is law. Excuse me. Professor can say my word is law in this classroom. Professor can say... We're doing a survey course. We don't have enough time to go in-depth on all of these things. So accept my definition for these things for the test, because that's what you're going to be tested on, and that's what you need to know. This is how you're going to get a good grade. But a professor can't say my word is law forever and always inside and outside of this classroom. This is all you're ever going to learn. Do not use your brain. Follow me, you sheep. Which is not in so many words, what my professor has said, but there comes a point when you read and there's open for discussion. So then the professor says, you know, hey, what did you think about this? Or whatever, you know, just sort of like, hey, let's discuss this thing that we all read before we take the test or after we take the test. You know, prove to me that you've read, offer me some opinions, let's have a discussion about this. Hey, I'm all for open discussion. I'm all for differing opinions. I'm all for that. Sign me up. Get get, get me in there. However, I am not up for <laughs> a a a pretend opening up for discussion. Uh, 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 hey, you have you know. Hey, let's talk about this thing, and then you offer up a a point of view or what you felt the piece was about or what you think a character was about or or an interpretation of the thing by as a whole or interpretation of an action or a chapter or whatever and then the professor yeah i guess you could see it like that and moving on to nothing and nobody when you're one of the only people that talks in the class and you offer up a differing opinion than the professor and the professor doesn't even accept your opinion as valid or acknowledge the fact that maybe you might have something correct in what you're thinking and then proceeds to misinterpret the piece based on miscomprehension because they don't know how to read, which is disturbing because they are a literature professor. It's, it's not the best. So I guess what I'm saying is don't have my professor because it's, it's not the best. It's upsetting. And to the one of you still listening, if you haven't gathered that it's upsetting by now, I can't help you out. I don't know what I need to do to get my point across. 
But evidently, it's out of my capabilities. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's enough rambling from me. That's enough rambling for you. And hopefully we'll meet again here the same time next week. I'll bring cupcakes. You bring uh, the rest of the ritualistic material. And we'll we'll slaughter a couple goats. And it'll be it'll be good. It'll be a fun bonding experience to you, my one listener. And uh, see how it goes from there. I don't know what we're talking about next week. Uh, it might be Guardians of the Galaxy 2, because I did just watch that movie, but I haven't seen the first one, so uh, my interpretation or just comments on it might be inconsequential and not really meaning anything, because it'll be lacking of the information of the first one. Uh might talk about sketch shows, writing scripts, actually anything, really. Uh, thank you to the two of you or one of you still listening and uh, remember chew your gum not your mum or your thumb after it's been in your bum that's a handy little rhyme from the times of yore when children used to read little chapbooks figure out what they were supposed to do with their lives this one was taken from uh, a chapbook for little baby cannibals, uh, hence the chew your thumb. It's uh, supposed to be auto cannibalism as a hobby. Uh, the title was too long, so it just said baby cannibals. Mm-hmm.